Hello, this is uh, Bishop Christopher Mukwabi, Senior Pastor at Living Hope Church, Pentecost Assemblies of God, Zambia. I want to welcome you to this uh, podcast as uh, you listen to this message. Our goal here is to preach a holistic message that will bring total transformation to our lives. God bless you as you listen to the message. service. Dr. Bernard Mukwavi is my immediate older brother and uh, we have worked together for many years uh, in, in ministry and he prayed for me for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that was in 1981, 15-48 hours. Uh, that was the time when he called me in the bedroom. I just come from boarding school. I said, have you ever heard of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I said, no. And then he began to share that. And then, uh, and then before long, to cut the long story short, I was filled with so much joy that the Holy Spirit came upon me. And that was the calling of the pastor from that moment that I became a preacher. So we have served together in, in many ways. Uh, also, prison ministry introduced me to that and um, also discipling and preaching in nurses' uh, schools, training schools. Is Mrs. Chima here? Tio's mother? Okay, so, yeah, so we are going to places like that and then also worked together in the church planting project in Mfrira and continued to work together for many years, um, even when he went to Canada. Each time that I've gone there, actually, uh, he's taken me to a number of churches that he oversees uh, where I go to preach. One of them is uh, an Arab church uh, where I go to preach uh, in there. Uh, so he's uh, um, overseer of uh, British Columbia Baptist Conference. British Columbia is a province of Canada. So he oversees churches there. He's also president of um, uh, is it Canadian Baptist Seminary. So it so he lives, him and the wife Anne live in uh, Suri, part of the greater Vancouver. So it was a blessing uh, to connect with them even when my family and I were in Canada for those years. So save for COVID, otherwise he would of, often come uh, here. So it's the first time he's coming after two and a half years. So we receive this ministry from him and open your heart uh, this morning and let God minister to you. Relax. You are in God's presence and be expectant. So let's put our hands together as we welcome Dr. Bernard Mukwavi. Thank you again for having me here. When uh, Bishop asked me to come, 
in a way, I was looking forward to coming, and I don't know why. Uh, it's because sometimes I'd just come into Ndola, except the last few years, and then I would fly back. But I, I, I did have a desire, to be honest with you, that I wanted to fly out here and, and, and just fellowship with you. And, 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 and the bishop confirmed it, uh, that I should come here. But I'm beginning to realize that, you know, like Bishop says, there are no coincidences. I think God wanted me to come here and, and share with you the way that I will share with you today. But I'm also very blessed to be in your presence. And uh, Cynthia was not in the first service, but in the first service I talked about what we did in Mufulira, and, and she just confirmed it with a story that she gave. Her mother became our mother because when I was... Uh, helping to plant a church. I was just very young myself. And, 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 and so I, I remember Cynthia as a little girl uh, coming to the church. So that, that's really great. You moved me to tears today. Uh, so thank you for sharing that story. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about Jesus' authority to heal and cast out demons. Really, Cynthia preached the sermon if you are listening, because what she really talked about is what I will be summarizing, and I'll probably just summarize it, because she, she's a great preacher. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, we read verse 31 to 41. Verse 31 reads, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed. Now listen to why they were amazed. And said to each other, what words these are? It's not a question. It's a statement with an exclamation mark. What words these are? With authority and power, it gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. 37, the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Then verse 38, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up and at once began to wait on them. Verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. As a way of introduction, since I'm talking about Jesus', Jesus authority to heal and cast out demons, I like to, to say that authority is the power or the right to give orders. When you have authority, that means you can give orders. You have the power to give orders. 
You can make decisions because you are the, the person in authority. You can make decisions, but you can also enforce uh, obedience that people obey you. So in this sense, Jesus had authority that he could speak to the demons and he would enforce that they obey him. They had no choice but to obey the words of Christ. And so this is the, the type of authority I want to talk about. But just to, so you know, you also, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have access to the same authority as a Christian. Are you following? And then I'm also going to touch on uh, sickness. Sickness is a state of being ill by any ailment. And Jesus has authority to cure sicknesses. And it's so powerful, again, to hear the story of our mother uh, that Cynthia was talking about that, that would have died uh, you know, over 30-something years ago. But now she has reached the, uh, in the 90s because of the authority to cure diseases that Jesus has. And he has given us that same authority as his people. Now, I'm going to give you a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. That is where you see demons in everything. So these are two errors. So one, you don't believe they exist. The other one, you live too much in fear that the demons really control you. Now the demons, he says, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hell a materialist. A materialist is someone who doesn't believe and a magician or witch doctor with the same delight. They are happy that you don't believe that they exist and they are happy that you get too obsessed. So these are the two errors, which leads us to a worldview. Because depending on what you believe, uh, you know, your worldview is going to be reflected. So the worldview uh, is a set of presuppositions or assumptions that you have, which you hold consciously or sub -sub subconsciously about the best makeup of the world. Like some people believe that all we have is this natural world. That's all there is to it. Other people believe that we have this natural world and then we also have the spiritual world and we have the realm of the divine, the realm of God. And they believe that the, the spirit world does actually control the natural world. And so depending on what worldview you have, uh, it's going to be shown by how you lead your lives. Uh, there are some people that believe you have to wear a certain clothing in order to have good luck. And, and specifically, I know one country uh, that I don't want to mention. I work with different uh, people groups. But they literally believed, I said this in the first service, that they have to wear red underwear whenever they go uh, to have interviews or where they want to go have good luck because it gives them good luck. And they also believe that there are certain numbers that you should not have as a, your house number because it brings bad luck. So they live in fear. They, they live in fear like that. And just for instance, I, I don't know if, it, if it's true in Zambia, 
I know that in England and, and a few other countries, when you are building high-rise buildings like uh, uh, you call uh, them flats, apartments, flats, uh, you know, when you go with an elevator, if, if the floor goes up to the 15th floor, as you go, they do not have 13th floor. How many of you know that? Yeah. They do not have 13th floor because they believe 13 is evil, is bad luck. So in England, there is no 13th floor. So you go from 12, you skip 13, you go to 14. So there's no 13th floor. So they, they believe, like, like even when, when uh, 13th falls on a Friday, it is Friday the 13th. So that is, that, is, that is a number dedicated to satanic activity. So there are Christians who would live in fear. They also don't want to live on the 13th floor. They don't want to have that because they are Christians, but they are afraid. So the worldview that they hold then uh, is shown by what they believe. Now, even here in Zambia, there are some people, like, you know, when you're walking, you know, some people throw medicine on the ground. They have been told where you see uh, parts uh, separating. You, you wash in this water, then go throw it there. And uh, so whoever walks there is going to carry your disease. Uh, I think it, I heard that when I was younger in Zambia. So there are some Christians in some villages, some places that are so afraid because they think that the, the, the the demons or the sickness is going to follow them. Okay? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So that's worldview. You know, someone has said, people may not live what they profess, but they will always live what they believe. So you may say you are a Christian verbally, but really what you believe is going to be seen by your actions. So, there, you know, think about the first thing that comes to your mind when you are under pressure. What do you want to do? That really shows what you believe. And some people live in fear. And, you know, fear of the demonic, fear of witchcraft, and fear of all these things. Now, my wife tells me that, you know, these things are real. I said, well, yeah, I, I, okay, I understand that, but but I'm not supposed to live in fear because you have authority over them. And, 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 and my wife has authority over that, and, and so we, we, have, we have this conversation uh, together. And now, when we talk about the authority of Jesus to heal and, and cast out devils, I, I want to talk about the basis of this authority. What is the basis of this authority. Uh, the declaration of Jesus of Nazareth himself when he was in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 where he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And then he talks about all the other things that he was going to be doing because the spirit of God was upon him. That means he was anointed. He is separated, anointed as Messiah in order to preach the gospel to people, but also to bring liberty in every area of their lives because the Spirit of God was upon him. Now, you need to understand Christianity is about Jesus. Now, when you do not have that, you are going to form a Christianity that is going to be about you. 
So there are churches and organizations that are all uh, focused on human individuals. They are no longer focused on Christ. Now, Jesus came to preach the gospel. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, he never preached a sermon before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see that after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when he went into the wilderness filled with the Spirit of God. And then after 40 days, he came out in the power of the Spirit of God. Then he goes into a synagogue, and uh, that's where they handed him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and he said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He announced his mission in the world, and then they did not accept him because he was from that place, from Nazareth. So he left that place upon his rejection. So we talk about uh, Jesus' uh, authority over demons. He left, he left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. And he entered to teach in the synagogue. In fact, I have been to Capernaum. It is known as the town of Jesus. And I have also been to the house of uh, Peter that I'm going to talk about. It's in ruins right now. It was made of, uh, of uh, stone. And it was, it was amazing to actually go and see these ruins that are still there in Israel. So when he went in, into Capernaum, because he was a rabbi, he went into a synagogue and began to teach. People began hearing him, but when they heard him, they were amazed that he taught with authority. Not like the other teachers of the law, he, he taught with authority. And then there was a man who was under the influence of demons, and he was in a synagogue. It is very strange that this man who was uh, demonized was attending the synagogue. Nobody could help him. So the synagogue you know, had people that were demonized. Uh, way, I, I, I rarely use uh, possession as the word to translate here because possession kind of denotes ownership. That you know, because the devil cannot own anyone; God owns people. So that word that has been translated as possession in the Greek it is a daimonzomai, which means to be under the influence. Under the influence. So this is where a demon would influence you in one area of your life. Uh, sometimes it could be in your emotions. Uh, like some people get angry and they don't know why anger just takes over and they don't know what to do. They're just overcome by, by, by anger. Other people is uh, probably compulsive lying. They are liars. They don't know why. They just have to tell lies. And then others, uh, I hope you, you, you understand you know, I give it the way it is in many places where I go, all right? So uh, don't take offense. You have to love me if you want to go to heaven. <laughs> so uh, some people actually have a bondage in the sex realm. You know, they, like they become, uh, they, they do things sexually that are, you know, and, and they, they just, something just takes over. A friend of mine uh, Bishop Methodist Kwanda used to, used to speak that, you know, there were some people that, like, when they went to sleep at night, then they just get under that influence, 
And I don't know, he had these crazy statements he would make. That, that was him, the right statements. He was a very close friend of mine. One time, he was preaching, and he says, some of you here, you have spiritual husbands or spiritual wives. When you go in to sleep at night, you know, they come to you. And people are saying, what is Bishop talking about? So then in his church, he said, I'm going to pray for you. Close your eyes to the surprise of people. Many people were coming to the front because somehow the devil had taken over that area. They were married to their physical spouses, but the enemy was controlling them in the bedroom. And that day, my friend Matthews prayed, and there was freedom that came over all those people uh, when he prayed for them. So sometimes the enemy would control you in one area. And uh, there was a man who had uh, road rage. I don't know if you have road rage in, in, in Zambia, but in the United States, some people get road rage. If you are driving and somebody cuts in front, you know, they pull a gun and shoot you because they're angry. Why did you cut my line? And so this happens in Canada and in the United States. There was a Christian one time who almost ran over a family because they cut him. And he realized, I am a Christian. Why this rage on the road? And then he went to the, to the house, went in his room, and he prayed for deliverance. And God set him free. Are you following? Now, I, I give you that because I want you to know that some of the things that I'm talking about do actually affect you, but God has given you the tools that you need in order to walk in freedom. So, this demon was comfortable in the synagogue. The demon will be comfortable in the church if you do not have discernment to be able to deal with that. It could be in your own personal life. And you have to deal with that. Now, I don't, I don't encourage you to go around and sing demons in people in your church. You see, uh, the discerning of spirits works with wisdom and faith, where you are able to understand what spirit is operating, whether it is the spirit of God or human spirit or the devil. That's a gift. You don't go around casting demons from somebody who doesn't even have a demon or they don't admit, otherwise they'll beat you up. So you don't do that. All right? So Jesus then uh, dealt with this demon, and he commanded the demon to leave the man. And the demon screamed, threw the man down, and the man was free. The people were surprised. Not that the demon manifested. They were surprised that Jesus had authority to cast out the demon using his words. Jesus brings freedom to people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then there's another one in Matthew that you have on your screen there. They brought to him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? And then verse 24. There was a misdirected worldview by the Pharisees because they saw that 
Jesus was uh, delivering people, I think they were jealous because they couldn't do it themselves. So then they made a statement. He says, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow derives out demons. Remember, they called your Lord this fellow. <laughs> you know, they, they were not very pleased with him because he had the authority that they did not have. Let me give you this uh, caution. Do not label people wrongly just because you don't have the authority that they have. Just learn to be humble, walk with God, and walk in the life of freedom. And, and in your own life, and that people that you come in contact with will also be set free because of the freedom that you enjoy. In verse 25, it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But then he tells the statement here, he says, verse 28, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, I am here in your midst as the king. This is because the kingdom is where the king is. Now, Jesus is king, and I want you to know living hope. When you make Jesus the king of this congregation, the kingdom of God will be here, and freedom will be here. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then we say, thy kingdom come. It is, you know, for me, when I pray that prayer, I am literally praying that God will come down and be king in my life and be king in the congregation when he is the focal point of everything that we do. Then we begin to see freedom. Otherwise, your church is just going to become a social club, a church where uh, witchcrafts and belief in witchcraft is going to be more prominent than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you want to be a church that walks in authority. There was a lady here that was talking about, uh, I think, coming from Western, is it Western Province, Minilonga. Uh, there was a man who lived there by the name of Gordon Sacklin. And he taught me a session when I was in Bible school at Kaniki. He told us a story in Minilonga where... There was, a, there was a Christian family that another man wanted to kill. So he was going to send lightning, I think we call it Akalumba, to them, to kill them. Now listen to this story. This is a Christian man, and, and Gordon Suckling, who himself was a white man, you know, from the uh, uh, United Kingdom, and he, so he had changed his worldview. So there, he, had, he, had, he had been teaching about these things. He believed that these things were really real. So this Christian family who was a leader in his church, he heard about what was being planned against him. He gathered his wife and children in the living room, and he said, let's pray. And they began to pray. And that was, it was not in the rain season. It was still in the dry season. So no lightning was supposed to come. But from nowhere, lightning came. 
for sure somebody sent lightning. And now listen to the end of that story. I think you are curious. Maybe I won't tell you this story, the end. <laughs> so then as they were praying, this lightning was coming. It came. It didn't land. It went back to the one who sent it and killed him. So, I was a student listening to all those uh, interesting stories. I, I had another story in, in Zimbabwe uh, where, you know, during the freedom fighters, you know, for, uh, for independence, there was, a, there was a white family that was threatened by the local people. They were, they were going around and killing people. That was before Zimbabwe was independent. And this white family went into the living room and began to pray. And for sure they heard sounds and people coming to kill them because they were killing all these farm owners and, you know, because of uh, colonization and, you know, this, this hatred that was there. But this was a Christian family and they realized the only hope we have is God and they began to pray. And as these people were coming to kill them, then they heard people running away. They looked outside. They saw an army of the Lord that had come. And these people in Zimbabwe saw it and started running away. Those are stories that need to be revived in our churches. Amen. That you, you don't live so much in fear. The kingdom of God has come upon you. And the kingdom of God is in you. Because Jesus lives in you. You are a follower of Christ and walk the way he walked and live the way he lived. Or verse 29, Jesus says, Or oh, again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus also has authority over sickness like we heard today. Sickness will bow to Jesus. Jesus went to, the, to Peter's mother-in-law's house, who was sick with a very high fever. And Jesus became aware of this fever because they told him about it. And then he rebukes the fever. The fever leaves the, the woman, and the woman begins to serve them. Instantly. And then many people brought uh, sick people that were delivered and cured by Jesus. Compared with Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus was anointed. Christ was anointed. How many of you are Christians in this room? Can you raise your hand? If you're a Christian, raise your hand, please. It's, a, it's not a tricky question. Okay, you can put your hand down. The name Christ is the one that gives you the name Christian. So Christian is derived from Christ. Christ means the anointed one. Uh, Christ is the Greek form of of Messiah, which is Hebrew. It means the anointed one. 
before the church at Antioch that is recorded in Acts chapter 11, the Christians were not called Christians. They were called people of the way. But when Paul, uh, Barnabas and Saul taught the church for one whole year, the, the Christians were so transformed by the word of God that they lived like Christ. So the people said, let's call them Christians. So you have to live up to your name as a Christian. It means you are anointed. Anointed by the Spirit of God. And as anointed one, you need to do what Jesus did. Jesus says, greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And remember, Jesus went from village to village, town to town. You do not see miracles just you know, because you are comfortable in your building. You've got to go out on the mission field. You take the word there. And people will bring sick people to you as well. In the early service, I told a story which I won't tell because Cynthia told it already, which she did a good job. But that's what happened when we were in Montfalera and, and all the church members had to do what I do. I purposed in my heart that I would teach them everything that I know. So they, they, they were just learned. That's all I did. And uh, uh, I, I, I remember Cynthia that night that she talked about when we did that. And I, I remember, I have to find the right, I'm, I'm confused with cultures. So you don't mind when I call you, see you sister uh, Zinta, by your first name, uh, Mr. Sinyangwe? Sinyangwe. I remember she was in that service there, and for some reason, I have vivid memories of how the power of God came upon you in that service. And uh, I wish I had a video. So she's also here uh, attending your church. She, she was in Botswana. So the, the, that what Cynthia was talking about, so I was amazed. It had nothing to do with me. I stepped back. I just watched the Spirit of God just coming upon people. And all these people were anointed, and they went into the, the place uh, and, and preached the gospel. Pastor uh, Catherine was studying there. I remember that the group of people, including, I think, Bishop Malaika and those people. So the power of God had come. So the church was growing not because they had me, but because I stepped back and they had the Holy Spirit. And everyone, everyone, uh, you heard about Brother David. Yeah, that's what they called him. Uh, everyone was moving in the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, one time, I, I remember, I, 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 I did the same thing with, uh, with uh, David that I did with Bishop Chris, but with David, it was in the church. I was speaking about the Holy Spirit, and people received the Holy Spirit, and he's the only one who didn't, and he was very frustrated. He was actually almost angry. He walked home very upset. Everybody else was filled with the Spirit of God, except the pastor's brother. And uh, <laughs> so he goes home. Then I noticed how frustrated he was. So I called him, and I, I did the same thing that I, I, I did with Bishop. I shared with him. I said, look, you can do this. You already got this, and you can pray. It doesn't matter whether I lay hands on you or anyone. The Spirit of God will have you. So please, you know, maybe tomorrow when you are alone at home, you know, get, get to pray. 
but he was not following none of that. You know what he did? We, I think we almost went to sleep. We just heard somebody praying in tongues loudly in the bathroom. And I said, oh, he was supposed to wait until tomorrow. But he, he couldn't. And since then, uh, your elder David has never been the same. And, and he, are you following what I'm saying? All right. Now, let, let's move on. And maybe um, let me do this. I think I'm going to skip that other slide, go to receiving deliverance. I, I talked about the fact that sometimes even in our own individual lives, remember I'm, I'm not saying in your individual lives, I'm saying our individual lives, including myself. We can all identify areas in our lives where we see the devil is beginning to influence us. It can happen to pastors, bishops, elders, deacons, and regular church members. What you, know, like what you realize is, you know, sometimes there are certain things you realize that that's not me. You know, you remember Jesus turned to Peter one time and said, get behind me, Satan. Because he, he discerned, you know, Peter was not certain, but Jesus discerned that there was spirit behind what Peter was doing. You can also identify areas in your life where the enemy is wanting to control you. And when you do, the first thing that I, I tell you there, that uh, Pastor Catherine again reminded me that, yeah, these are things you used to teach us. Uh, I, I, I used to, to do these. Uh, I, was, I was impacted by, by the ministry of one man called uh, Derek Prince, who I saw twice, one in Zambia and one in, in Holland. And so these six points what people have used to pray for self-deliverance. You can actually pray for self-deliverance. The first one is, you, is uh, being honest. You are supposed to be honest and acknowledge that you need help. Do not live in denial. And when you go home, you can read Psalm 32, verse 1 to 5, on being honest. The psalmist talks about the fact that when he kept quiet, when he did not acknowledge his sin... He, he was afflicted by, you know, sickness or something that was happening in his life. So you need to, to acknowledge that you need help. And then secondly, you need to humble yourself. And if you are reading at home, you should read James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. So read that. So you need to humble yourself before God. You need to submit to God and resist the devil, and the devil will flee away from you. And then the third thing is confession. You need to confess your sins to God. Sometimes you could ask somebody to pray with you, or you could just pray on your own. If you are praying with somebody, they may not want to confess some embarrassing things to you, but they can do that between them and God. So you can confess your sins to God. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the fourth thing is renunciation. If you are reading this, you read Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. 
So he who confesses sins and renounces them will prosper. So you need to confess sins, not saying, okay, I'm going to go back after I get free. No, no, you need to confess to say, I'm turning around, I renounce these things. This is no longer going to be my lifestyle. And then the other one is forgiveness. If you hold anything in your heart against anyone, even if they did it to you when you were younger, it, it hinders you from accepting or receiving deliverance. So you need to pray for f forgiveness that you can forgive other people. Somebody says, if you don't forgive other people, it's, about, it's like drinking poison and hoping your enemy will die. So you are really just killing yourself. Somebody who, who hurt you and offended you, they're enjoying their life somewhere, and you carry that. Bring it to God and let God set you free. And lastly, you need to call on the... Uh, oh, by the way, on uh, forgiveness, uh, I'll give you Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, verse 14 and 15, because Jesus says... If you forgive people their sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not, then he will also not forgive you. It's very conditional. And then the last one, calling on the name of the Lord for deliverance. In Joel chapter 2, verse 32, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I have, I have known people that have identified issues in their lives. These are Christian people. And they have gone in their own private room, and they followed these six points. And then when they say, then they say, God, I call upon you, may you deliver me. And they mention, it could be anger or something else. Uh, may you set me free, oh God, I submit myself to you. Now, because you as a Christian have authority to cast out demons from other people, you can also cast out demons from yourself. So then they will speak to the demonic influence and they say, demon of anger or whatever it is, I challenge you and expel you in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Leave my mind or leave my body or whatever it is. They command it to go. And they realize that somehow that demon knows the authority because you've got to know who you are as a child of God. You are anointed. And the demon has to obey. So what happens is some of them will shake violently and Poo, they feel better or they, they just take a breath on their own. Like these are not things that you manufacture. No, you just surrender yourself to God. And, and you know, you might have a physical manifestation. You may not have it. But I know that there are some people that have found help as they dealt with these things. Other people... I've contacted the church leadership. Uh, bless you if you have church leadership that are walking in righteousness and they're able to pray for you. Because some people are in the church leadership that is, they themselves are walking under bondage. And uh, they cannot set anyone free because the prophet or some preacher themselves, they are, they are bound. Like I said, these things can affect anyone and everyone. You need to learn how to walk in freedom. Are you following this stuff? 
I, 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 I lead people and I, uh, I, have, I, I have noticed that people that have never dealt with issues in their lives, these issues will deal with them on their, in future. You have to learn to deal with these issues before they destroy your life. Don't hide them. And don't tell people that, oh, it's okay, you can do that. Look, I do that. You are not the reference for Christianity. Jesus is the reference for Christianity. Just repent and begin to lead a holy life. Period. Quasila. I invite you to close your eyes right now, and I like to pray. I, I don't know what you heard today. But look into your life. There are two things. God wants you to take his kingdom message into the neighborhoods on mission fields and also for when people come. You have authority to pray to set people free. The second thing is if there are areas in your life that you need to attend to, do not accept being under the bondage of the devil. Be ye delivered in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to just humble yourself before God and be honest and confess right there where you are seated an area in your life where you need help just between you and God. Choose to renounce, to turn away from all wrong to come to him. Choose to ask him for freedom. Mention that area. Say, God, this is the area. Set me free, oh God. I come to you for freedom. Now, with your eyes closed, I like you now to speak to the enemy that is influencing you in whatever area you have identified. Just say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you and mention that situation. And I command you to live my life now, live my body now, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. Come on. Say that between you and God, in the name of Jesus. You don't need to be dramatic about it. Just speak with authority. Now, I am joining you in prayer. As you speak with authority, you can raise your hand, your right hand to heaven as I join you in prayer right now. I'm going to pray to join you. Keep your right hand up right now. You and I are confronting that enemy. In the name of Jesus, I command you, Spirit. Yeah, you mentioned whatever it is. I command you, be gone now in Jesus' name. I command you to leave these people. You are expelled from them in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit of God. Be ye free right now. Be ye free right now. Be ye free in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus, Spirit of the living God, thank you, O God, for coming in this place. Thank you for the kingdom of God that brings liberty, that brings righteousness. O God, thank you that we are, we are no longer under condemnation, but O God, we live in the Spirit of God, and we are led by the Spirit of God, and we expel the enemy from this place in Jesus' name. Right now, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want to invite you right now, when you are ready, you stand to your feet and begin to praise God. Just do that right now. Begin to open your mouth and to praise God for the freedom. My prize, this message really encouraged you. It is my hope that you look forward to listening to the next message. God bless you.